We are currently in the middle of a sermon series entitled Failing Forward, Living a Resilient Life. And so uh, next weekend will actually be our, our uh, final weekend of this series. But uh, it has been a wonderful time of learning much about what it means to not allow failure to be fatal, but to allow it actually to advance us and to learn to rebound and to be resilient uh, from those things in life. Uh, tonight we're going to talk about one element of that, and I just decided to dedicate uh, the entire teaching tonight to that particular subject, and we'll relate it to the idea of failing forward. But tonight I want to talk to you about attitude. Attitude, and I simply call this attitude a game changer. A game changer. Maybe you realize it, maybe you don't, but your attitude is vital to everything about life. And I want you tonight to think with me about the key role that attitude plays and the way we're actually able to live a resilient life. First of all, just two scriptures to kind of serve as, as starting points for us tonight. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32 says, Be renewed in the what? In the attitude of your minds. Be renewed in the attitude of of your minds and proverbs 23 7 says as one thinks in his heart so is he i don't know about you but i can't probably ever forget the numerous times that we were raising our two sons from the time that they were toddlers all the way time through the time that they were adolescents and teenagers uh where many many a time we had a discussion about attitude and it just kind of became one of those words where we didn't have to say a whole lot. We just said, you got an attitude. Now, the truth of the matter is you can have good attitudes or bad attitudes, right? You can have godly attitudes or you can have ungodly attitudes. You can have positive attitudes or negative attitudes. There's a whole lot of options. But whenever we used to say to our boys, you got an attitude, they knew exactly what we meant. What we meant is we need to have an attitude change. How many of you have ever had to have an attitude change? I'm sure all of us have. And maybe you also found that as a common discussion point with your children. I want to share with you two stories of two individuals very quickly, but serve as historical examples of the power of one's attitude. The first one is Ludwig von Beethoven. Yes, that composer, that gifted musician and composer. What you may not know is that although through most of his life he had all of his faculties intact, did you know that he actually became deaf towards the end of his life? Did you know that most of the most famous pieces, compositions, that Beethoven ever wrote were written and performed while he was deaf? People who would attend and listen to his music were simply amazed that he could compose and that he could perform with such limitation. But when people discussed it with Beethoven, they found quickly that he attributed the key to his ability to function and to perform at a high level to his attitude. There's another individual that you may never have heard of named Viktor Frankl. 
Viktor Frankl was born in Vienna. He was an Austrian medical doctor, a physician, who actually in his early teenage days corresponded with Freud. Of interesting note. And Freud noted his brilliance and his early uh, skills and his knowledge and uh, encouraged him to pursue that in his studies. Frankel, in addition to being an Austrian, was also a Jew. And as an Austrian Jew, if you look at the time frame of his life, you can probably begin to calculate that yes, he was alive. And yes, he was arrested during Hitler's regime. As an Austrian Jew, he was taken and he was placed in a concentration camp, moved from place to place, but ended up in the infamous concentration camp of Auschwitz. Persecuted, beaten, abused. He had great loss during his early days in the concentration camp. All of his family members were also with him and they all died. His wife was killed. She was pregnant with a child when she was killed. His parents were killed. His brother was killed. All of the members of his family were murdered by the Germans. Frankel, during all of his time, most of the prisoners that he uh, had as friends and they had the opportunity to influence during that time were amazed at how Frankel was able to maintain such an attitude in the midst of his persecution. Later, Frankel actually became a well-known psychologist. And his most significant life's founding, a finding is this statement. He said, the last of the human freedoms is to choose one's attitude regardless of the circumstance. That was his greatest discovery. And that which his discovery was, no, no, in other words, it didn't matter what kind of situation is he was in, didn't matter how much personal loss he had experienced, he discovered that he still, no matter how much persecution he was under, no matter how many things were taken away from him while he was being persecuted as a Jew, the one thing that no one could take away from him was the ability to choose his attitude. No one could steal that from Dr. Frankel. And no one can steal that from you. You and I must realize that we, we determine our attitudes. Both of these stories hopefully encourage us to understand the difference that attitude can make even if we go through life's failures. We can rebound, but attitude plays a key role. A couple of observations to explain the difference that attitude really makes. Yes, attitude does have a profound influence on everything about life, but it literally becomes a lens. Your attitude becomes a lens that you view the world through. My, young, my oldest son, Aaron, up until the time he was about 12 years old, 11 or 12 years old, we never realized that he had any vision issues at all. But then sooner or later through some of his schooling and some correspondences with his, his teachers, we thought, you know, maybe we better get Aaron's eyes checked. 
And sure enough, we found that he was having great difficulty in seeing. You know, I will never forget the moment that we took Aaron. He had his eyes checked. We went to the optometrist and did the complete deal, you know, and came out and they ordered his, his new prescription lenses. Now, I'm not sure he was too excited to really wear glasses at his age, but the moment the doctor put the glasses on his eyes and he walked outside of the office, I remember him looking around and when he just said, Wow! I can't believe what a difference these glasses make. And today he wears contacts and if he takes them off, he literally couldn't see two feet in front of himself. The point is, the lenses made all the difference in the world. Did you know that attitude is much like that? Attitude is like a lens that you look at life through, even circumstances, even negative things that happen to you, even mistreatment from others, or failures in life, mistakes and mishaps and missteps. If seen through the right attitude, you can actually find yourself in a better place as a result. Life, someone once said, is 10% what happens to you, but 90% how you react and respond to what happens to you. So it's not happens to me. This is kind of the attitude that I try to adopt. It's not what happens to me that matters. It's what happens in me that matters you see that distinction it's not what happens to me it's what happens in me are we going to respond in bitterness are we going to respond in in, in discouragement frustration or maybe even in anger but those are the choices that we make every day clement stone who maybe you've never heard of him but he was a author and probably best known for being a very very successful businessman and the founder of one of the largest insurance companies ever in North America and he was known for being a quite a motivational speaker and this is one of my favorite quotes from Clement Stone he said there is little excuse me there is little difference in people but that little difference makes a big difference The little difference is called attitude. Attitude. That little difference is attitude. Attitude is critical for the way that we live our life. You see, your mind, your psyche is like fertile soil. Attitudes are like seeds that are planted in that soil whatever kind of attitude you plant will have a direct effect upon actions and developments in your life attitude makes all the difference in the world someone once said that attitude will determine your altitude in life it all goes back to attitude you know what i believe i believe christians should have the best attitudes of all. Someone say amen. I believe as Christians, we have every reason to have the best 
attitudes of all. Look at the resources that we have available. Not only do we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, empowerment by the Holy Spirit, but we have the Word of God that has every principle, every answer, every truth that you'll ever need. It's right there in the Bible, right there in your hand. In addition to that, we have so many other resources as Christians that we need and can rely upon that will make a difference in the way we think and the way that we view life. What difference, though, can attitude really make in your life? Dennis Waitley said, the winner, you speaking from a book that was entitled The Winner's Edge, and that's why he uses this phrase. He said, the winner's edge is all in one's attitude, not your aptitude. You know, we tend to put a much bigger emphasis upon aptitude than we do attitude. I found that even our raising children, as I observe many people as they parent their children, I find that somehow, I think it's a cultural thing, we have put too much emphasis on aptitude and not enough emphasis on attitude. I'd rather have a son or a daughter that has the right attitude in life than someone who has an IQ that's off the charts. You can have an IQ that's off the charts and have a rotten attitude and have a pretty rotten life. Do you all know what I'm talking about? And I've met people like that, and I don't like to be around them. The winner's edge. Yeah. A couple things to suggest the difference that it really makes. It makes a difference in every relationship. I don't know whether you ever thought about it. Your attitude will make a difference in the way you connect with people. First-time connections, long-term relationships, it doesn't matter. Attitude makes a big difference in how you relate and connect with other people. Now, hopefully we get to a point in our Christian experience where we're walking in the love of God, amen? And the love of God is supposed to be unconditional, which means we love people even when they have a stinking attitude, right? But the truth is that sometimes some people's attitudes takes all the love we can muster. Am I right? Y'all don't know the same people I know. All right. It makes a difference in your relationships. Number two, it makes a difference in how you face circumstances and challenges. We all have them. We all have challenges in life. No one is free from challenges, and we could list all different kinds as we have been doing through this series, the truth is that the way you go into a challenge, attitude makes all the difference in the world. Athletes, high-performing athletes will tell you that attitude, before they go into the contest, whether it be running a marathon, whether it be playing a competitive basketball game, or regardless of what it may be, attitude plays a key role in optimum performance. Do you not think it's possible that in just normal, everyday life that attitude can also play a role, a significant role, in how we deal with challenges? Of course it does. It also makes a difference in how we deal with failure. That's the subject of our series is failure. How we deal with failure really goes back to attitude. You see, attitude can be a plus or a minus. If you let it be a plus, it'll give you that extra edge in life that we all want. Now, 
Just a couple of observations before I go into these um, suggestions on how to uh, make your attitude an asset. One observation is this. These aren't on the slide, but I wanted to mention them to you. Your attitude is your choice. No one can make you have a certain attitude. Even my sons frequently would not respond to me when they ever even pointed out that they had an attitude problem. Why? Because attitude is your choice. If you want to have a stinking attitude, you can have it. 24-7 if you want. Attitude belongs to you. How many of you have found yourself sometimes you have a bad attitude, you know you got a bad attitude, but you have one of these attitudes that says, I really just don't care, I'm just going to have this bad attitude, and I'm just going to hold on to it for a while. Any of y'all like that? You know what that's called? A pity party is what that's called, okay? <laughs> you ever notice that you, we always want other people to join that party, you know? All right. But attitude is a choice, and the only way you can break out of that is for you to finally wake up and go, you know, I don't really think this is paying off, you know. I don't think, you know, I'm on the couch now, so I guess, you know, I really probably ought to go ahead and change my attitude, right? It's a choice. It's a choice. Attitudes are our choice. I notice in Scripture when I study Scriptures about thoughts and mental approach and attitude that the Scripture places a huge emphasis upon our personal responsibility. Notice this, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, uh, verses 6 through 8, one of my favorite passages. Remember, it tells us not to worry, but then it goes on to tell us what we ought to think about in verse 8. Notice this phrase that, that Paul uses. He says, think on these things. Now, you tell me, who is he talking to? Christians. And what is he telling them? He's saying, you have to make the right decision to think. In other words, it's in your hands. What we tend to do as Christians is we say, oh, God, God you, you do this, and I've got this, and you, would you do this? You know, at some point, you have to take responsibility. We have to assume responsibility, and we have to say, I'm going to change my attitude. Think on these things. You, Christians. Make a choice. Make a decision. Take an action. Be proactive about your attitude. Another scriptural example is Colossians 3.1 that says this. Listen, listen to the implication. He says, set your minds on things above. Where's the responsibility lie? Did he say, allow me just to change your mind for you? No, he puts the responsibility in our lap and he says you set your minds on things above yeah attitudes are our choice i've also discovered that maintaining a good attitude is easier than regaining one i'm gonna say that again maintaining a good attitude the right attitude maybe i should say Maintaining the right attitude is easier than regaining it. Once you shift off of the right attitude approach, it's very hard to bring that plane back into a proper attitude. Yeah. Martin Lloyd-Jones, great preacher, once said this, 
Most unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you're listening to yourself rather than talking to yourself. Sometimes we ought to talk to ourselves rather than listen to ourselves. We have to feed ourselves the right food. We've got to actually choose to maintain a right attitude. And the Lord will help us. He'll give you tremendous resources. The Holy Spirit will undergird you. But He's not going to force a right attitude on you. Let's look at some recommended steps to make attitude, instead of making it a negative, making it a plus. All right? few suggestions we just talked about this first one already take responsibility take a personal sense of responsibility for your attitude this is one of the i think one of the greatest challenges that i observe in our society today particularly in the west when i say in the west i mean western culture or those places that have been greatly influenced by western culture which now is becoming quite global but uh, particularly in europe and in north america the problem that we have is that too many people have been somehow been influenced by this way of thinking that takes all the personal responsibility off of you and there's always someone else we can blame. We blame our employer. We blame the system. We blame the government. We blame the church. We blame... It's always someone else that we want to put the responsibility on. But there's something about being a Christian and living by God's word that instructs us to do what? You have to take responsibility. When it comes to attitude, we have to take responsibility even for our attitudes. Can someone say amen to that? Some of you may not agree, but that's my view. Number two, number two, evaluate your attitude regularly. This may not be a practice that you have, but it's very helpful. Make a point of checking on your attitude. Do an attitude check. You know what I find sometimes? I don't even realize it when I have a rotten attitude until Carrie makes me very aware of it. I'm not being attentive to my attitude. Anybody like that? What if we made a point of evaluating and taking an attitude inventory on a regular basis several times throughout the day? Do you think that might be helpful? During that, maybe you could do this. Try identifying problem feelings about yourself. Wrong thinking about yourself. We have an identity in Christ, amen? We have a wonderful new position in Christ, but many times we think wrong about ourselves. Also identify problem feelings that you may have about others and repent. Identify problem thinking and attitudes evaluate your attitude on a regular basis number three develop the desire to change your attitude you might say well why do you have to develop the desire because come on i mean the truth is sometimes we just don't want to change it we want to hold on to it have those pity parties i mentioned but we have to actually develop the desire to change our attitudes it takes desire before action ever kicks in. Number four, we need to change our attitude by changing our thoughts. How do you change your attitude? 
first of all, you accept responsibility for it, and then to change it, you have to replace it. No one is suggesting that you simply blank out. Blank out your attitude, scope, grid, no more attitude. No, you're always going to have an attitude. What you have to do is choose to replace the poor attitude, the wrong attitude, with the right attitude. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5 is a well-known scripture. I've taught on it here before, but it simply says this, that the we're engaged in a warfare. And it says in the warfare that we're engaged in, it says that our weapons are not fleshly, they're not carnal, they're not natural. But the weapons that you as a Christian have in this warfare are mighty, powerful through God to look to the pulling down of strongholds. It's talking about something that resides in our minds. This is describing the mental battle we go through. It even says casting down imaginations and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What's my point? The way that we change our attitude is by replacing and changing our thoughts. Finally, number five, manage it daily kind of goes back to the evaluation step that I suggested, but manage it daily. Many of you, all of you, I'm sure, have heard the name of Nelson Mandela. I've had the privilege, uh, and by the way, just as an aside, I, I don't agree with everything Nelson Mandela has ever said or done, but I've spent enough time in South Africa to get a unique perspective. I don't remember how many trips I've made to South Africa, multiple cities. Carrie and I have been way out in the bush, way in the north, Pretoria, the capital city, Johannesburg, Cape Town, and many other places throughout South Africa. If you spend any time in South Africa at all and you study much about their history, you know the amazing life story of Nelson Mandela. He was one of the original leaders of what were referred to as the freedom fighters of Soweto. Um, many of you know that Carrie and I have one of our very, very dear friends, pastors, a church of 15,000 people in the township of Soweto, one of the most well-known people in all the country of South Africa. He knew when he was a young boy, he knew of Nelson Mandela because he was raised right there in his township and later became a political leader of sorts, not really of sorts, he was a political leader for this freedom-fighting movement to fight against apartheid in his nation. Of course, conflict ensued and Nelson Mandela was arrested. He was placed in a place called Robbins Island, just off the coast, literally about a, a mile and a half off the coast of Cape Town, South Africa. I've had the privilege of not only being in Cape Town many times, but of visiting Robbins Island, taking a a boat out to Robbins Island and touring the prison. In a seven by eight foot cell, Nelson Mandela spent 27 years of his life. During that time, in solitary confinement often, and the rest of the time with great personal pain and abuse. We all know that Finally, apartheid came to an end and the system of racism that was institutionalized 
uh, in that nation came to an end. Nelson Mandela was freed. I still remember. I remember reading the reports and noting when Nelson Mandela was freed. At that particular point, I, I had not actually visited South Africa. I have the greatest respect for the man, primarily for this reason, for, for a number of reasons, but the one that relates to tonight. Somehow, a man that was the subject of unbelievable mental, emotional, and physical abuse, not only endured it, lived through it physically, but maintained an attitude of love and forgiveness to all of his fellow man. I think most people, having gone through that, would be terribly bitter upon their release and be ready to, you know, take it out on others. Not Mandela. I really attribute it, and I have read things that have confirmed that God had much to do with it. Because he was a man that had a religious life and had a walk and a respect and a fear of God and studied and read much from the Bible during his imprisonment. He walked in an attitude choice every day. I don't know about you, but I think if someone like a Nelson Mandela, a Viktor Frankl, a Beethoven can have the right kind of attitude when they went through what they went through? What excuse do I have to have the wrong attitude? Do y'all know what I'm talking about? And so I want to challenge you tonight to make a decision to let attitude be a plus in your life. Here's how I'd like to wrap up. I've got five minutes. So I think what I want to do is just offer to you four attitudes that are a good starting point. We could list 24, all right? But just four that are very obvious in the Bible that I would like to encourage us to choose. The first is a servant attitude. The Bible makes it very clear that the model we have for life and leadership is that of a doulos, slave. Paul identified himself, you might think of Paul primarily as an apostle, but you know what Paul's favorite reference to himself was? Paul, a slave, a servant of Jesus Christ. Paul viewed himself with a servant mind. Even Jude opens up his little small letter by saying Jude, a servant of God. He was the half-brother of Jesus. If anybody had a right to say, um, y'all better listen to what I'm writing because I've got a relationship with Jesus. I was his half-brother. Joseph Mary, you remember them? My parents. He never did that at all. He simply introduces himself as what? A servant. You see the attitude? That's the kind of an attitude. What is the attitude of a servant? The attitude of a servant exemplified through many scriptures is simply this. Putting other people ahead of yourself. Putting the interest of others ahead of your own. Not being a me first person. The servant attitude means I'm willing to actually take it and, and, and do some things and put the priorities, other people's priorities, above my own. In love, honor other people, defer to other people, and serve. 
I think a servant attitude should be something we should all choose. Read Philippians 2 sometime and read Paul's uh, description there of the attitude that Jesus walked with. The second attitude that I think is essential for us is a grateful attitude. Number one is a servant attitude. Number two, a grateful attitude. There's nothing worse than someone who's not grateful. I'm afraid that we live in a country that, I, I, I don't sound negative, but I think we're frankly spoiled. We're spoiled with so many good things around us that we don't, we're just not grateful. I mean, you know, it, it, it takes a Thanksgiving celebration to remember that we ought to be thankful and grateful. I think the attitude of gratitude ought to be a constant choice every day of our life to walk with a grateful attitude. Listen, friend, not only as a Christian, just as a human being, you are blessed. Blessed beyond measure. And we ought to walk with a grateful attitude. You know, if we had more of a grateful attitude, I think we'd probably have less complaining. Anybody agree with me? We'd complain and we'd murmur a whole lot less if we just live with a grateful attitude. You want to make a note of a scripture. 1 Corinthians 10.10 is a good one. The third essential attitude that I want to recommend to you tonight is an overcoming attitude. It's an overcoming attitude. This may not sound like it's scriptural, but it is. I believe that God wants us to be can-do people. I figured this out in a few years of life that I've lived. There's, I have this saying. It says, there are when you meet people, you figure out after a while, pretty quickly usually, you figure out whether they're a yes person or a no person. You know what I'm talking about? When you meet the no person, you're trying to get something done at the city offices. And you have a clerk that's assisting you. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? You figure out pretty quickly, mm, this is not going to go well. Why? This is a no person. This is a by the book, negative, usually frame of mind. This is a no person. I'm going to have to have perfection to get any way through in this, in this particular deal. Sometimes you find someone that's a yes person. You buy a product from someone and you ask for service and you find out really quick, are they a yes person or are they a no person? I don't know about you, but I prefer dealing with yes people. huh? Christians ought to be can-do people. Instead of living with a mindset to say, I can't do this, we can't do this, well, our church is this, we can't do why don't we just have an attitude that is a can-do attitude i think the scripture tells us examples of those for example when the spies went and considered in numbers chapter 13 and 14 the land that god had promised to them to go and spy out the land you remember when they came back and had two different attitudes one attitude was what no way there is no way that we're going to do this why there's giants in the land you know you know, God never denied that there were giants in the land. <laughs> he never said, listen, this is going to be so smooth and easy. No giants, no resistance. Just walk in, enjoy life. God never said that. In fact, he told them, you're going to have resistance. You're going to have problems. You're going to have issues. There's going to be giants in the land, but I'm going to be with you. Right? So we have 
One group that came back and they said, there's no way. There were a no way, no can do, no group of people. That was their attitude. There's just no way. And they gave all the reasons why. And then there were two, Joshua and Caleb. We named one of our sons Joshua Caleb. We want to make sure he got into the promised land. <laughs> Joshua and Caleb. And they had a different attitude, didn't they? They had a can-do, faith-based, positive attitude that said, look, there are giants there, but our God will give this land to us. It's a great land, and we can do it with God's help. It's a can-do attitude. You know, a lot of people, even non-Christians, uh, promote positive thinking. I'm not against people promoting positive thinking. I'd rather them promote that than negative thinking. But the truth of the matter is, I think the real source to be able to have that kind of a can-do attitude is having Christ in our hearts and having our minds renewed by the Word of God. As Christians, I think we ought to be the most positive people on the face of the earth. I think Christians ought to be the most grateful. I think Christians ought to be the best servants. So I'm just going to leave you with those three attitudes, a serving attitude, a grateful attitude, and a, yes, an overcoming, victorious, can-do, positive, faith-based attitude. Can I go back to that first quote that I love so much by Clement Stone? There is little difference in people, but that little difference makes a big difference. That little difference is attitude. And attitude is a game changer. Would you stand to your feet as we close with prayer? I want to challenge you tonight. Consider the place of attitude in becoming a resilient person. Don't let the failures and the mistakes of last week, last year, or 10 years ago keep you from living for God 100% today. What it requires, one of the things it requires, and next week we'll wrap the series up with some very clear steps for rebounding from failure. But attitude plays a key part. Would you just bow your heads with me right now? I want to just pray for anybody that's here who says, Pastor Bobby, um, I'm not sure that I have the kind of relationship with God that I need. Would you pray for me that I will have a walk in a relationship with God through Christ? Would you pray for me? Maybe you once had a walk with God, but you've slipped away for whatever reason. But you want to rededicate and reconsecrate your life as a disciple, one that's committed to following God with all your heart. Is there anybody tonight Say, pray for me? My relationship with God is not what it needs to be. Would you pray for me tonight? Would you just raise your hand and say, pray for me? Is there anybody here tonight? I see your hand. God bless you, hon. Anyone else? Yes. 
Father, I pray for these who have expressed a desire to grow spiritually, that their relationship with you tonight would get a fresh start. Father, I pray that a decision would be made in their own heart to let Jesus Christ be Lord, be Master of everything. In Jesus' name. Tonight, if you're here and you recognize that, you know, we all need help with attitude, come on. But, uh, but there may be a few tonight who say, you know, that has been a stronghold for me. I've got a few attitudes that are a stronghold that I really need extra prayer to, to change that. I need more than just my own decision to take responsibility. I really need something supernatural to help me with that. Are there any here tonight that just raise your hand so we can just pray for you? We'll not embarrass you. Just say, pray for my, I got an attitude stronghold that I need help with. Raise your hand. Anybody here tonight? Say, I've got that. Pray for me tonight. I see a few hands. Let's all pray for attitudes, can we? Could you mind just taking the hand of someone next to you? And I think we all, our attitudes could stand a little prayer focus right now. Amen? Father, tonight we stand in faith as brothers and sisters in Christ members of the family of God. And we say, Father, we, as we interact with people in this world, we want people to see through our attitude. We want them to see You. Lord, we want to resemble and reflect You in the way we think the attitudes that dictate action. So tonight, we ask for forgiveness for when our attitude fails and just gets really stinky and really rotten and lord we thank you that we can always come and confess our faults to you and you forgive us we're thankful for that but lord we pray that you would come alongside of us holy spirit and strengthen us in this battle that we have to take our thoughts captive we make a choice tonight to have attitudes of a servant We choose tonight to have grateful attitudes. We choose tonight to have overcoming attitudes. Can do. Because you live in us. And you've made us to be overcomers. Thank you for what you've done in our hearts and minds here during this service tonight. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.